Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. Um, on today's show I'm delighted to be joined by the sports editor of the anglo Celtic, Paul Fitzpatrick. Going through your, your Instagram comments, we've we've um, quite an interesting um, question we asked you on Insta- Instagram. And later on, on the show, we're going to be bringing you um, a very special podcast where um, we looked back over the career of one of Cavan's greatest lady footballers, ladies footballers, Ashleen Doonan Maguire. Um, it was a podcast we done last week on the Die Hard service, so we're going to be bringing you that full podcast um, because of popular demand. People have been keen to listen into it. But um, Paul Fitzpatrick, we'll start off with the Instagram, um, the Instagram story. Or I see, I can't even get the terminology right. I don't get Instagram. What? It's it, it's become. It's it's become the it? thing that's made me realise I am old. You know the way like I used to laugh at, at elder members that they'd be going like, Oh, these smartphones are the, I don't get them, it's stupid, and why can't this be the same? I'm like that with Instagram. Why couldn't they make Instagram like Twitter? That it's just easy. That's how you go to your messages, that's how you go to your notifications, that's how you get your feed. It's just so complicated. Bah <laughs> Look you you're just an old bastard is all you are, don't you? <laughs> you said you said it yourself, you're you're coming up to forty, like your best days are behind you. Uh so maybe just leave Instagram to the to the young thirty six year olds like me. <laughs> I literally because I tried to get involved with, with, with this question which you asked and you even tried to explain to me. So hit the heart button, Damien, and then from that and I'm like there's two heart buttons. Why do I, why does there have to be two heart buttons on it? It just makes no sense at all. I don't know. Just we're going to have to start getting people to get in contact with, with us on WhatsApp, or maybe just send me a letter. The postman comes here every day. Yeah, it'll take, it'll take, you don't get the responses quick through the postman as you do through Instagram. That's only for that. It's a, it's a good idea, but uh, you can always shake your walking stick at the postman as well. You can't be down on Instagram. <laughs> well, see, one of my postmen is is uh, Jo, so I'm shaking nothing at Jo because he's uh, he's 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 um, he's still in great shape for for a forty plus. Like he's older than me. I wonder can he get Instagram? I must ask him next time I I see him running about the place. But anyway. Um, tell us about the, the the post you stuck up on on Instagram for us because it's um it, it it's it's eluded or or resulted in a lot of um, responses which which I think are going to be good fun to try and go through. Well, basically, I, I've seen this going around a wee bit lately, um, and there was a thing a couple of weeks ago um, described this man in four words, Bernard Morris, and there was some classic responses. So the one that that went up this morning was uh, name. Describe describe your the best cabin forward you've seen without giving his name. So okay. there's there's some great stuff went up. So what what we'll do is I'm I'm gonna read them out and you have to guess the player that we're talking about. There's some yeah. now, obviously some of these I'm not gonna know either. Some of them are a little bit cryptic, but uh I think that's a great idea. And you know what what what's the really smart part about this is you reading them out means I don't have to try to find them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go first. Give me the first okay. one. The first one says, and the shades of a, of a famous line from a commentator here back in, I would say, late eighties, early nineties. He he's fat, he's round, but in Ghana he's worth a million pound. <laughs> well, that's Sean Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a, that's an unforgettable line from the um the the the, the great Michael Tynan, was it? No, it wasn't Michael Tynan. Do you, do you know some of those old videos? Um, 
that, that go up on YouTube every now and then from the 80s. Uh, there, was, there was a different fella commentating on the games. I don't know this, this man there, but some of the listeners will know him who okay. he is. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Michael Tynan. It wasn't. Uh, okay. But it was a different guy that just to commentate back then. And I thought, so in case anyone was thinking we're, we're uh, insulting Sean Pearson here, uh, this this post was put up by a Garner person uh, and possibly a relation of his looking at the sword name. So yeah. he's fat, he's round, but in Garner he's worth a million pounds. We're going Sean Pearson with that one. Uh, the oh, next yeah. one just says, it's just an emoji and it's an emoji of a star. It's an emoji of a star. Oh, you kick yourself if you don't get this, Damien. It's not Park Faulkner. I don't know. I'm going to kick oh, myself. Yeah. Well, I like, see where you're coming from there, the Kingscourt stars. No, I... I I well, think it's, it's not Donahue. It's Ocean O'Connell. Because he's also known as a star. Is he? I didn't know that. As far as I know, yeah. I thought he was Jets. Yeah, well, he's, he's star Jets. <laughs> That's nearly yeah. as complicated as Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's a Casaran man put that up, so uh, okay. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure we're on the right track there. But anyone with Casaran can let us know. Uh, the next one says Gold Machine. Jail. Yeah, absolutely. Has to be. Peter. The next one, the next one says boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say J O. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this this one has popped up a few times. Kildare, Kildare Horder. I'm just laughing because that song is going over in my head now. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Let me hear you say J O. You don't like that young people's music. It's an awful bit of thumping and banging out of it. <laughs> Turn off that racket. <laughs> uh, Kildare Horder. Oh, that's that's uh, shiny. Yeah, shiny. Uh, broke hand in Armagh brawl. That's Martin Dunn. That's Martin Dunn. Yeah, although this person included both in one, so I think that there was a there was a mix up there. And uh, now this one here, I think it sort of it sort of describes an entire career arc for this person. Goals, 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 goals. Postman. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think everybody just loves jail. Everybody loves Jamond. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's Jay again. Uh, next one says Kildare player. Okay, we get the message there. Yeah. Uh, now this one, yeah, this one is okay. I'll read there. Live wire, lightning fast, skillful genius. See, that's some great traits, but we probably need a bit more to be able to actually to be actually nail what player that is. Can you can you um, tell us what club the person sent it in from? It looks like a drunk man. Looks like a drunk man. Okay. Yeah, so. Do you know what the, the first one that comes to mind for me? Um, I think it's actually Mackey. Very yeah. skillful, very, very, very intelligent on the ball, very fast. Mm. Mackey's, oh yeah, I'd, I'd love, I'd love a clarification from from that um, contributor. Okay, next one. Over the bar from the end line, V. Wicklow in Breffney. One of the best points I've ever seen. This one's kind of too long on detail, but what a point that was. And there was a few of them that day. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. There was a few points that day that were as good as I've ever seen scored in Breffney. Yeah. Um, next one just says, like jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Dunn. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. The next one says, skin him. Larry. Larry has to be. Has to be I, Larry, doesn't it? Yeah, you would always hear people shouting off from the terrace when Larry get the ball. Skin him, Larry. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, the next one, it was so so detailed. It goes over two messages. It says super balance from the entrepreneurial parish has a relation on twenty twenty panel. Could have been a legend only for a bad injury in a challenge match for the Jack Stern and lovely West Cavan. Oh Jesus. Um, well, you have a lot to go on there, Damien. So yeah, just, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking it's Jared Pearson. Yeah, it's Jared Pearson. I think he's yeah. got to be Jared Pearson. I think yeah. he means by the entrepreneurial parish we were talking about yeah, recently, and he has a relation on the panel at present. I don't remember did, the injury though. No, he did his cruciate in the challenge against uh, Dublin against Dublin in Bombay in 2005. Oh, I didn't know I was, that was when he done it. Okay, I was actually looking into that that one there recently, and that was a. Uh, was, actually, we can nearly knock a podcast out of that 2005 season because that was a really that was a classic Cav and boom to the bus season where they were coming in from 2004, loads of promise, greatly improved championship performances in 2004. And um, Emma Coleman was there and he was molding the team very well. 
and they had a pretty good league, like about seven goals past Waterford to beat to beat Tipperary the first day to beat Loud. Uh, they had a heavy loss against Derry, after which Coleman was coming off the pitch and someone stopped him and said, Can we have a quick word? And Coleman just goes, No words. <laughs> he couldn't he could find Brilliant. no words to describe it. And then the Cavan played Mead, if you remember, in the last round of the league and lost at 17 14. But Pearson played the game of his life. Oh yeah. Oh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And I remember everyone, there was so much hype. And and uh, Jared was was anointed as the as the chosen one at that stage. And heading heading towards that championship. But then Eamon Coleman got sick, Lord of Mercy on him around that time. Because the under 21s had made the Ulster final around then. That's well. right. Yeah. Should have won it against Down. Should have won it. Eamon got sick and then uh, Calvin played that challenge game. And that was the game that, that Pillar Caffrey was talking to you about, Damien, on the, uh, right. for the Ulster final. And like there was there was rumours of, of some lads were out drinking before the game and uh, Jerry Pearson did his cruise shit down in that game early enough in it, which which wrecked his season and then Calvin played Antrim and were lucky enough to get a draw out of it with a late free from Fimber O'Reilly and then won the replay. And like after that Dublin game, which they lost by over twenty points, like this was just we'd gone from high hero to zero as usual in Calvin. Then the Antrim lucky to draw with Antrim it got worse and then beat Antrim and then drew with Tyrone and suddenly Tyrone were, had, had been all Ireland champions two years before that and suddenly we were back and then we got hammered by Tyrone yeah. and then and suddenly we were gone and the football was dead in Calvin and then beat Donegal and Mead and then lost to, to Mayo Mayo over in the hide over in the hide but unfortunately and all the talk was that Liam Coleman was going to be coming back and even looking through the old cells every now and then it would say look he's expected back but unfortunately Tragically, really, for a man of his age, he didn't come back. But that was a season where it was a sliding doors moment, really. I always mm. think it was. Coleman had to stay around with that team that he was building. I, I looked at the picture of that, that squad recently. And like the talent that was in that, that squad, it was definitely very comparable to the current squad. And on an individual basis, you could make the argument that it was better. Maybe there was, there was might have been more, more outstanding forwards in the prime of their careers at the time. So... Like yeah, like at the time, you know the likes of of Peter Riley, Jason Riley, Darren McCabe, Larry Riley, Mickey Graham, uh, they were all only twenty seven, twenty eight at that stage, twenty nine. And then you had the the under twenty ones, and and even take it back to like Jared Pearson would have played in definitely one Ulster under twenty one final against Tyrone. Um, you would have had the his age group, his era, which was your know, likes of Chesty and and uh, Adge King and Nicholas Walsh, and take it down then to that years on the twenty ones with Mark McKeever and Shawnee Johnston and Sean Brady yeah. and you know Anthony Gaynor who was playing great football at the time, Mickey Ling. You know there, there was a there was a great balance of youth and experience on that on that twenty or two thousand and five panel, but it just never came together. Yeah, I think we might do a podcast on that if lockdown continues because I have a good bit of research done just into that year for a different thing I was doing. And it does, it's a it's a hell of a story that season. Unfortunately, I ended up with uh, Eamon Coleman never recovered from that illness. But Cavan didn't recover really either because, mm. you know, the momentum probably from 04 into 05 took them to the last 12. But the wheels started to come off again then after that. But yeah, it's one we can come back to. Um, uh, Gold King. Is the next Jail, one. yet again. Gotta be. The next one says, on your bike. Pearson. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'd know. say it is on your bike. Although it could be in reference. To, I, I'm thinking on your bike um, being, uh, wasn't it Coleman told Pearson to cycle in the training from Garner to get fit or something like that? <laughs> is that? Well, that actually got brought up. That actually got brought up later on. So we'll come back to that. So, okay. so maybe... Maybe you are onto something. I didn't know that story. Okay. Uh, I don't uh, remember who told us that story or told me that story, but anyway. Um, the next one says nippy. Uh, we're going to need more to go on there. I think it's. We've had quite a few nippy. We've had a lot Connor, of Connor Smith could be nippy. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's quite a few. Yeah, I think you've nailed that one about on your bike, Damien, because the next one came in from a Garner man and he says, drove the track to motors and cycled to Breffney. Yeah, that's, that's definitely Pearson. That's one hundred percent Pearson. That's a great story. Absolutely brilliant. I don't mind. I was thinking about that after. It's all downhill from tractor motors. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
he could have stopped at least out at at, at uh, the Texaco, Kieran's Texaco station out in the Balnear Road. At least he'd had a bit of an uphill. <laughs> he, he'd get it hard to make it look like he was sweating going down the hill in Park Lane. But <laughs> It's, it's, definitely amazing, it's amazing that, that so many people are listening as the best cabin forward they've seen because yeah. I know from talking to players who were in the panel with him that time that he was rated so highly like Mickey Hannon would talk about his technical skill level and uh, he told me a story one time I hope he doesn't mind me repeating this one about about Pearson um, showing him different ways that he could kick the ball like from the 45 and he'd be showing him look you can come across the ball this way or that way and he was able to, to like you know, put the ball on the on the crossbar almost at will from that kind of range. Yeah. Serious technical, high level of technical ability. Uh, the next one, Molinyakta. That's Mackie. That's Mackie. Uh, biscuits. Biscuits. Oh, McVitie. McVitie. Uh, Arma Clonus, 2019, super sub sharp shooter. That's a tongue twister. Oh, that's Mackie. That's Mackie. Uh, the next one says Trigger. I don't know who Trigger is. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm nearly afraid to say it, but I, for some reason I have Barry Riley in my head. Well, he's coming up later. Uh, but now I, I've never heard him referred to as Trigger. I don't know why, why I'm making that association. Yeah, um, you're trying to say Barry... Like, Trigger, obviously the famous character in Only Fools and Horses. Uh, so you're being quite insulting to, to Barry Riley there. <laughs> I don't think I am. I think Trigger's a good-looking man. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking Barry Riley there. Maybe I'm just thinking of the best forwards and, and therefore trying to see who's going to put in Barry Riley. I don't know. Okay, uh, let's see. See, do you dug yourself out of that hole? <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, <laughs> Jerk is the next one. Yeah, so that's Pearson. Uh, sideline point. Ashley Doonan. I'd say so, and it came in from a Temple Port lady, I think. So, yeah, I'd say so. Ashley doing a great shout yeah. there. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, Apache Pizza. Apache Pizza. Happy days, I don't know. Apache Pizza. Don't know that one now. Uh, the next one is, and you have, to, you have to use the commentator's voice here, isn't it Adrian Logan or is it Jimmy McGee who says... Hooks it magnificently over the bar. That's on one of our jingles, Damien, I think. Uh, and it's, I'm not sure who it is. I think it might be Peter Riley. And I think it might have, yeah, it's on one of the intro I, or jingles. Pretty yeah, cool. I just a bit of paper movement or something there. Yeah, I I I I, I think it it sounds like Jimmy McGee. I, I but yeah, it's Peter Riley anyway, isn't it? Yeah, it's Peter Riley. Uh, next one says Coral Ball Cord. Um, Dermot McCabe, maybe. Yeah, he's, he used to put an unbelievable coral on the ball. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or maybe Larry. Larry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's one. Teacher Badney Benson, Ina House. Hmm. Teacher Badney. Did he smoke a few? Did he smoke a few Benson? Ina House, that's up in Killing Care Country, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, don't Ina House is the is the pub on your right hand side when you head out to Bayswater Road from from Virginia, as far as I know. Um, Teacher Badney. So that's puzzling me now. That one. That's getting me now. Yeah, not not getting that one. Uh, next one, feed the chunk. Feed the chunk. Oh, who's the? Oh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself over this one. Kevin Tierney. Oh, yes, you, Kevin you Tierney. The hashtag yes. when, when, when Kevin was ripping it up for Cavs on the 21s, the hashtag right. was feed, feed the, the chunk. That's right. Uh, the next one, Ginger, Magi Ginger Magician. Another tongue twister. I would say. Uh, practically a goal a game. Jail. Jail. 48 goals in the in the senior jersey competitively with Cavan. And another one that's, that's Jail as well is Ravenelli gets 42,000 a week for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that man deserves every bit as much. Okay, there's a, few, a, more. There's a few more. Uh, Jinking Mond of a left foot, 80 style. Jinking Mond of a left foot, 80 style. I don't know. It could be Ushin Pearson, could it? 
Could be, could be. Um, yeah, there's been a few good, good left footed forwards there. Chinking one, ah, it's possibly Larry again. Could be Larry, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these are Larry. Are Larry. But do you know what? We've we've an unbelievable, um, l- leaning towards left footed forwards in Cavan. Like you look at the current forward line for Cavan: Ushin Kiernan, Martin Riley, Gerard McKiernan, possibly Ushin Pearson named in there you know that that we've a lot of left-footed forwards we had it in 97 as well Peter Riley was left-footed Mickey Graham was left-footed Larry was left-footed um, Darren McCabe was left-footed Jay was left-footed was Mickey Graham left-footed did you say yeah, yeah. was he Mickey Graham was left-footed yeah did not know that um and Jay, I, I used to deb- I used to debate whether Jay was left-footed or not because I know he used to take freeze at the left but he always he generally seemed to, to finish his goals with the right Jeez, the most famous one he finished was with the left. Against Derry. Was it with the left? Yeah. I'll have to check that. A lot of, pe- a lot of people have heard saying Joe was left-footed, but I would have to get clarity on that. Um, I do I remember miss, missing a free with his left foot. I think it was in a league game against Galway one time. Uh, and I remember giving out that he, that he took it off his left and they, someone said to me, sure he is left-footed. And I was like, no, he's not. But I think he was. Maybe he was. Uh, okay. And J.O. again. Oh, there's a few good few shouts for J.O. coming in here. Gold Machine. Yeah, keep them going. The Butcher from Bilthorbet. The Butcher. <laughs> that's, that's in another life. One of the most famous celebrations in GEA. Yeah, the jersey over the head. Uh, yeah, that's the Ravenelli, if anyone's wondering. Red-headed Rampage in Rammer Area Realtor. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> Fintan Cahill Fintan Cahill uh, there's one here that just says let me see loves milking that's Barry <laughs> that's Barry right that's and definitely that, Barry that's got the most likes on, on any comment that's been sent in here <laughs> uh, Doomer you might know this one now this is what this is a this is a Rammer one no Doomer Doomer, yeah. Doomer is Der- Derek. Yeah. Derek McDonald, as in he was called Derek Doom, uh, aka Doomer. That's uh, uh-huh. well, he'd be known as the Rammer lads. Uh, Skinham, that's the second name that's come in. Larry. Yeah, uh, there's one here, Ushin's cousin. <laughs> that's Jerry. That's Jerry. <laughs> and that was Ushin to probably put it in. Knockbride <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wanderer. Knockbride Wanderer. I've never heard of. Um, either being called the Knockbride Wanderer is it Peter or Larry? I presume, uh, or is it, or is it Gent? Is Maybe. it is it John Tierney because he headed off to Australia? I don't know. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, there's the, he went on a wander. Yeah, so I think that that brings us to the end of them, Damien. But uh, some great shouts coming in there. In all fairness, uh, yeah, lanky lad from Lacken. That's just come in. Lanky lad from Lacken. There's a few lanky lads from Lacken. Is it Thomas Galligan? Or ah, it has to be Thomas, really, doesn't it? Nah, I wouldn't describe Thomas as lanky. Maybe Niall McCarron might be a bit lankier. Good player himself, too. As lanky, yeah, I'd agree. Um, yeah, it could be. It could be. That's, that, that, definitely. Any of the ones that we didn't nail, please clarify. Um, by by postage to Damien Dunn. I will read them out in two weeks' time. Yeah, so you can, you, um, when you get your pension, you can you can collect them up the, in the post office. <laughs> um, folks, so we want to just before we head on over to the um, the Ashley Dunn and Maguire podcast um, from the Diehard Service later on in the week, we'll be bringing an interview with the Ulster Player of the Year, the Irish News. Thomas Galligan. So we've an interview lined up with Thomas. And if you want to listen to that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin. We'll have that ex- exclusive interview um, later on in the week. So now, ta- now it's time to listen to our Diehards podcast, which was brought out last week um, on the announcement of the retirement from inter-county football, Ashleen Doonan Maguire. Brady's Arva Limited. Main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. 
If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. The running, the, the ground he covered. You'd be in the GPS, that's... Yo, you'd love to see his Mickey. Monaghan had their little, their little period of glory. Now they need to cop on, understand where their actual status in the, in the hierarchy of what football is, and just go back there. We're not even going to think about them. Raymond Galligan, 57 metres, 8 metres out. Can he score? It's up into the air. It's on its way. They're going for the white flag. Spectacular goal early on, and here he goes again, inside Max Travick, another brilliant run, and he's there again! That is wonderful football by Peter Riley! And it's right twice a day, so it is, so hopefully we're our hope that we have in our bellies today. The other comment was, the only thing dodgy about Cavan today was the moustache. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bargain. I think we can just sneak this. I think we can catch them with a late rally. I'm I'm gonna tip us to win it. Good morning ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Die Hearts Podcast brought to you by We Are Cabin. On today's show we're I suppose I don't know, we're not delighted, but we're delighted to have her on. But not delighted in the decision that she's made. But um, maybe it's time to 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 just look back with positivity over the career of Ashleen Doonan Maguire, Ashleen Maguire, formerly known as Doonan, and um, Paul Fitzpatrick caught up with the former Cavan player um, for for a really good in depth interview. So here's Paul talking to Ashleen. Okay, so I'm delighted to be joined on the line now by by Ashleen Maguire. Uh, who uh, unfortunately for Cavan football fans has decided to retire from intercounty football this week. But uh, it's great to have you on the show, Ashley. And we're going to look back over, over your career. First of all, congratulations on your retirement. Thanks, Paul. I, I have a few people saying, do you congratulate or commiserate somebody when they retire? And I think it's funny how times have changed. I don't think there used to be any big uh, hullabaloo or fuss when someone retired. So I got some shock yesterday when I was getting all the messages in. Yeah, I suppose it's nice though to get to get the messages and get a bit of not just fade away as used to happen. Well, I wouldn't mind that either if anyone that knows me doesn't. Well, I don't really like the limelight, but no, it, it is nice. I suppose it's nice for people to um, mark that you know. I suppose it was a, a long time, <laughs> and um, yeah, like the, I did enjoy my time with Calvin, so it was nice, and it was nice to see different walks of life kind of coming in and, and different girls from all throughout Cavan and, and um, different girls that would have played with on and off throughout the years. It was nice. Yeah, so maybe just go back to go back to the start when you started playing with Cavan. Like you, you, were, you were playing with Cavan since 2002. So you were, you were very young at that stage coming in. What was it like back then when, uh, in terms of compared to what it's like now? Uh, different, but like on and off the field, I think it was. So I was only 14 I was asked in, like, well, I would have been going on 15. Um, but I remember being asked in, and it wasn't, you didn't get a phone call, you actually got a letter. Um, <laughs> back then, so you got a letter uh, typed up and your name put in or whatever. So it, was, it felt like a huge honor, like getting this in the post. So it was great. Um, but so I was very lucky, the management team that was there, and they did bring in a couple of young girls. So I suppose it wasn't on my own, like, like the bonus shared national trainer. There was a couple of girls the same age that we've played together, so it wasn't as daunting. Um, but there was a great team, um, John Mavani, I'm sure you know of him, from Virginia, and James Lovett was involved, and Father Tom McKernan, who was actually my underage coach in Temperport. So there was a bit of familiarity there. But you know, training was um, an eye-opener, because obviously underage player, you just went and you joined and you play, played and you trained. But all of a sudden you're thrown into a senior team and the more the running and the 400s, I remember that around Rammer pitch. <laughs> Lots of it. Thank God I was fit for it then when I was young. Um, and my first introduction to uh, hurdles and ladders, I didn't know what these things were. But uh, So James Lovett was ahead of his time back then, yeah, <laughs> introducing I, them into training. 
So you, you obviously you're coming from Tempenport and you were training in Virginia, so you had to go half the length of the county. So it was a big commitment from your parents as well to bring you, I suppose, at that stage. Yeah, so I was very lucky my parents and I suppose there was a couple of local people like uh, Drumlane and then Father Tom as well. He was from the area, so I would have got lifts up as well there. So I, I was lucky like my parents were great because we were only 14, 15, so we would have been not just playing with the senior team, we were playing with the county under 16, the county minor and the senior team, as well as being brought around the county for club games and that. So I'm very lucky and fortunate that my parents were heavily involved in football and my mom had to get heavily involved in football dragging us around because I'm, I'm one of five kids. So um, so there was lots of room the roads with us. Yeah, so um, you, you would have started off playing with the lads then at under, at under 12. And I was actually telling Damien Donahue uh, that I saw you playing one time against my brother and, and you were playing against the lads and you were like probably the best player on the field. So at what stage then would you moved over and started playing against all guards after under 14, was it? Under 14, so, so that's another big change. Like when we were up in primary school and that, there was no girls team, but you didn't know there was girls football, so you didn't have those role models or, or those girls to look like. We always had Stephen King, Anthony Ford, you know, down from West Cavan, and sure we thought we were going to be playing on the on the men's team, the girls, like, because we, we didn't know any different. So I would have started off playing uh, with Corla. Um, so that was my club. I went to school in Corla and played all underage in Corla. So great. And then I got the phone call that Templeport were setting up a ladies team. And that was the first introduction. So at 12, I was playing. Um, I was playing. Actually, one of the senior team was playing goals at 12 for Templeport. So that was an experience. So started off, I might end up back there yet. Um, so started off in goals and then underage, again, very lucky to have um, Father Tom, who was fantastic. He'd come down from Virginia and he, he was very, like a great, he would have played football for Calvin himself and had a lot of like uh, senior championship medals as well. And just a great football and brain and a, and a great teacher and a coach and was able to, do a lot like we won a lot on raise like on under 14 16s up with him and Adrian McGovern as well who actually went on to um manage Cavan ladies yeah as, as well so in fairness I was very lucky with the coaches I had growing up that were able to kind of develop me and bring me on and then being brought into the county team uh, like you know you might have been strong skillfully underage but you had to learn how to adapt pretty quickly when you're up against these bigger stronger girls that were going to throw you around the place so uh, like that was also helped you kind of adapt your game and you know so it wasn't just skill going to get you alone so you had to be able to tactically be good and decision make nowhere to be the right place the right time so I think all of that really helped me and probably stood to me through the years as well and like were you aware as you as you started playing senior county football at Cav and like coming into your 20s that this was a sort of a new new generation that you're sort of breaking new ground for for ladies footballers in Cavan that there'd never been, as you said, really this opportunity for for girls to go on and be role models for the for the next bunch of girls coming. I think we're very lucky. We had a good cohort. So the team that I would have played with County under fourteen, there was probably like a very strong 10, 12 girls that have that played right through to senior, which. Is very rare. Even now, you don't see as many girls coming through. Yeah. Like even the All Ireland winning team, seven of that we had played from under fourteen up, which which was great to see. Um, I think a lot. I think a big change in Cavan ladies football was a lot of girls going to college and getting O'Connor Cup football, which is you know the male the female equivalent of the Sigerson. Um, and a lot of the All Ireland team would have been playing at a very high level in college. And I think that's when we kind of, once you go to college, you kind of are competing at a higher level. You're being open up to other counties and how they're working. And, and, and it becomes a little bit more serious and preparation and everything kind of, I think that was a turning point for a lot of us. And I, I think then things really took strides then within the county. And it wasn't like things were in place and management teams were in place and they were all doing great work. But I think, it came down to the actual players, a shift in, in the mentality. And, okay, well, look, if we want to be win something, we need to be serious here. And I think there was a shift there, like when we started going to college and then bringing other girls and encouraging other girls to join uh, college teams with Connor Cups and, and that was very good. 
So the the Cavan senior team, like, were you could see them making strides, sort of coming up to uh, 2007, 8, 9, like, there was clearly strides being made there, and then making an All Ireland final, and then getting back to the All Ireland final in 2013. So, what was that journey like to be on, obviously culminating and winning the Intermediate All Ireland? Yeah, and as I say, it, it, it was a journey like oh, oh, seven, eight. We were in like you have to remember we were playing Division Three football and junior football is where I started with Cavan. Yeah. And so I'm very fortunate now to be able to say, OK, well, I've left the jersey and we're in senior. Now, I would have loved to say that we were in Division 1. But, um, like, you know, I think I think we've we've really made strides and especially at underage as well in schools football. Like, there's a great conveyor belt coming through and I'd, I'd love to see them do it on the big stage now. Um, but as I say, like, there's a lot of structures and a lot of work has gone on behind the scenes, by the county boards, by the schools. And the development squads as well um, came in about 2000, and I think it was eight or that. I know NASA board, Sean Lynch, those girls that are like NASA's our captain now, she would have been involved in the first development squads in, in Cavan. Right. So it just shows you like when the structure went in, um, obviously success breeds success and um, getting to the All-Ireland final and doing well encourages more girls to get involved. And there was a big surge in ladies football in Cavan. Um, like you could even see that from when I started, there was very few clubs in Cavan and underage teams. Whereas now you've got nearly a team in every parish, which is fantastic to see. So, the, like the, playing at Crow Park in those games, like obviously nationally televised games, like are they the highlight of your career? Those matches when you look back on them now, like the, one of the biggest stages that a ladies football can play on. I think for anybody, like the dream is, regardless if you're four or. 44 or whatever age you are like you know Crow Park if you're if you're a Gaelic player Crow Park is where you want to play I think that's what we've always tried to get to and then getting there um was a huge achievement but then losing was uh well we did the draw game in 2011 and then losing it and um, that was tough and it did take us the two years to get back there because 2012 it, it was a tough year after after losing and losing it the way we did and then to regather again in 2013 and win it was was fantastic. Um, it was I, I know everyone always asks you about the All Ireland and winning it, and it's such a strange feeling. I think it's probably like you talk to people who've won a marathon or done a marathon, or that you know you're waiting for this big buzz. But I remember at the whistle, final whistle, it was just more a sense of release that we got over the line. Like after drawing, after building yourself up, then getting a loss, and then finally getting back, knocking on the door, and. We got we got the win, so I just remember the whistle going and just going, thank God, and just just sheer relief from looking around. It was it was really good. Yeah, and um, you got a lot of headlines around that time because you scored a sideline ball uh, in Crow Park, which is a rare, rare thing, even in men's games. Like it's obviously a rare thing. So, did did you notice at the time that people were starting to take notice and say, Jesus, there's like there's a lot of skill involved here in these these ladies' games. I think, yeah, I think it's probably the visibility and being televised and getting more coverage in the local papers and that. Like, I think anyone who's gone to games will tell you about the skill level, probably because the con- like the extreme physical contact isn't there. So there is probably a bit more skill. Mm. Um, like, I, I don't know. I I always sort of said, like, our teams were quite skillful and we're very lucky in Cavan to have talented players. Um I'm probably a bit more fortunate to get the headlines. That's just because they give me the ball and I'm the last person to put it over the bar. So I was lucky in that way. But I think there's a lot of people that don't get the credit they deserve through the years for all the hard work, especially especially the backs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they give me enough slagging. <laughs> um, but the funny story with the sideline, uh, Brona, and sure, me and Brona have grown up like together. But she was taking the ball and I was running over to take it and she wasn't happy with me at all. I remember her giving out to me and going, what are you doing? And I was like, just leave it, leave it, leave it. I don't know, just the adrenaline was going and I was like, do you know what, I'm just going for this. And uh, thankfully it went over. I'd never heard the end of it from Brona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a magic moment. Um, I, I was I, Myself and Damien were talking and I was, I was saying I was going to be speaking to you. And he said, I, I was reading him out a bit, uh, I think it was on the RT website, where you're described as one of the most naturally gifted forwards uh, in the last 20 years, I think it said. But Damien was saying, that's a bugbear of mine. He says, there's no such thing as naturally gifted. He says, uh, Ashley got those skills because she worked at it. And that's something he drills into the, the players he coaches. So, like, I, I presume there's a lot of natural ta- talent involved there, but you must have never had a, had a football out of your hands growing up and, and practicing those skills um, to reach a level of skill that you did. 
Um, yeah, well, <laughs> there was many the window broke around our house uh, and, and roof tiles, they'll tell you that at home. But I was lucky, like, sure, dad brought us everywhere. Like, he was mad into football. Um, like, we would go train and we'd watch him. And, you know, there would always be a couple of footballs knocking around the house. And there was, I'd say, there was five kids, but there was three of us very close in age. Uh, Finn and my older brother is, is a year older than me and Claude is a year younger than me. So there was always um, out playing football. And then, as I say, I was very lucky with um, my club coaches to had, had a big emphasis on skills. Mm. Uh, like you probably back then, you probably thought, like I remember what we used to do for training was two laps and into a match. And we used to be like, oh, God. But it was great. Like so thinking back now, like, probably that's what we should be doing is like literally games, games, games. And, it, you know, he was, I remember Father Tom Kernan, um, like he used to be in the pitch and he'd nearly be quizzing you on decisions. So why did you kick the ball there? Why did you run into the tackle? And he was like, and that's great coaching. Like you don't even really see that now. Yeah. So he even at a at a young age, he was drilling that into us and questioning us. Well, if you made a mistake, what would you do next time? And that's how we really learned. And and I think that's what stood to me that you know those early coaches and and how they trained and and how they helped me develop. And then. Uh, like different coaches along the way, like I you know Aidan McCabe, who was involved with Kevin, he was excellent. Like I wasn't too fond of using the right foot only when I had to. Um, but as as was look at as we got in stronger opposition, like up especially division two and when you're playing senior football, you don't have time on the ball. And if you're one footed or or you prefer foot, you know, you're gonna be easily marked. So he put a huge emphasis on us on on two ball skills and both hands, both feet. And um, like even at that, that, that like that, that really stood to me as well that I was able to score off. Like I'd usually use it for dummying or soloing or pass, and I wouldn't be too confident kicking it. But from then on, I was no problem off both feet. Um, but I, I really think the like the decision making and the tactics. Like I was never gifted with speed or like big physicality, so I had to be able to adapt and and get find a way to get on the ball. So. Uh, I think I was lucky in other ways some people might say oh you're in the right place at the right time or you're able to read the game yeah. well and, and, and I suppose that's something that I, I was lucky that I was able to do but like as Damien said it doesn't just happen overnight that's that's years have been drilled into you and, and wanting to improve and adapt so like if you make a mistake so what but if, if you make the same mistake over and over again there's something wrong there so just trying to learn all the time and, and then I suppose pass that on to other girls as well. And and uh, will you tell me about the commitment levels that went into it? Because we hear we hear a lot of, in particular about the commitment levels in, in men's county football. But um, like how many hours w- would you have been putting into it up until we'd say last season or the season before? Well, we would have been training collectively three times a week. Um, usually, well, with ladies football, you're never guaranteed breath near. You could be you could breath could be pulled on your last minute dot com, and you could be up in Virginia or Mullerhorn or somewhere. So training would be an hour and a half or, you know, by the time you're there and everything, you, you obviously you're not going to rock up five minutes before training. So mm. you're talking a couple of hours and then you're journey on top of that. Um, I was lucky as well to get a job at home and move home in the last year or two. But prior to that, I was commuting from Dublin. So you're literally going straight from work in pack, you know, bringing food with you down, eating it down the car. Then you'd be back up, lucky to be back up before midnight and then you're getting up to try to roll out of bed to get to work the next morning again or girls yeah. going to college. Like there's there's huge commitments on the game now. So look, three, three days a week you were training and then you're doing two gym and then if you had to do additional, so whether that's, you know, ball skills, video analysis, um, you know, clips. Like there was there's huge effort going into it in the management teams as well to, to prepare teams. Um but I'd say probably that's probably why girls aren't probably playing as long, or even men's. Like there's a yeah. huge commitment level, and and I suppose you've seen that. Um, I've seen that kind of change in the last. Oh God, you could even say ten years. Like how how far it's come, which is a good thing. Um, you know the level, but then I suppose some girls can just be burnt out from, you know, the the enjoyment or the fun that they they kind of over the years can go out of it quite quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you, are you happy with the recognition that's there for, for female sport now? Because I know it's a big issue with the 20, 20 for 20 campaign and so on. But do you think, I know there's been strides made, but I'd be interested to know if you that's involved in it at the, at the high end. Do you think it's good enough or should there be more done there on that end? I think it's getting better, like from where it's come from. And ladies football is, 
you know such a young sport in in comparison to the men's game. But I think I think we do need we do need to keep pushing pushing it. Um, like especially in in the media, but as well like us as females and athletes, we need to be supporting each other and we need to up. Like I'm not the greatest. Like I don't like putting myself forward for things like this, and you know, and and that's wrong. Like because I can't be on one hand preaching you know women in sport and and increasing yeah. the coverage and and at the other time not putting my hand up to do interviews and to put ladies football out there and encourage more girls to get involved. Um, like I, I, I definitely think like as well as coverage, like there is like friends, we've got great ambassadors at the minute, like Ashley and Sheridan, um, AFL and the Legal Ambassador. Uh, you know, there's great coverage there. But I think um in terms of I think we need to see more like female coaches, even referees within Calvin, like there's not enough female referees. And you'd like to see now that um, ladies football has got to an age now that you know, I know I know there's girls retired maybe that are in their forties you know, that, that have played the football that could get back involved in some capacity, whether it's coaching or refereeing. And I think that would be really important for young girls to see females in those roles. Yeah, yeah. And um, looking looking at the Cavan ladies going forward, so you, you touched on it earlier, the, the conveyor about the talent that's there. We know, like, Loretto obviously winning the number 20 colleges on Ireland and Cavan kind of dominant, probably the dominant team in Ulster under age seven now. So, where do you where do you see Cavan ladies going now in the next four or five years? I definitely think like with the right direction that the, there's huge potential there. Like, I have seen it. It has been tough for girls to break into the panel, like because maybe they're the underage stars. You know, they've been great all the way up, and then it's 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 a big step up from from minors to seniors. Like you even see it in men's football. Like you wouldn't really get. A 17, 18 year old, even you know, very few under 21s coming straight into the senior panel. So, I, I'd really like to see more girls in. It takes them a year or two and to keep at it because it's, it's a mental thing as well, meant having that mental strength that you know, I'm in here and now I have to really work hard and adapt and try and get up to the level that these other girls are at from after being you know, the top at your level for so long. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think there, there's a great bunch of girls there, and they're 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 really committed to pushing on. And I'm 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 really looking forward to see how Jerry gets on with, with them. Um, I don't know much about Jerry. Um, I know he's done great work with Tyrone, so be really hopeful that um the girls can push on. Like we, there's no doubt. Like we have the players in Cavan. It's just this was getting a structure and a system that works for Cavan ladies, as opposed to imposing a system that um I don't think suits the players. So you mean you mean an actual style of play? Yeah, I'd love I'd love to see a style of play for Calvin ladies like from underage up. Um and I I'd love to see that might be something down the line in terms of development that they might start looking at, you know, that we're training girls from 15, 16 years of age that this is the style that we're we're trying is it a kicking game, you know, whatever the case may be, that this is what we're looking to do and that we're going that way instead of um so at least you kind of got that player pathway for girls at county level. I suppose if you just go in, you play for two years at an underage, next thing you're thrown in at the deep end. Yeah. Um like I just yeah, I'm I'm look I'm actually really looking forward to seeing the next this year's gonna to be tough because I suppose they haven't really you know, they haven't got to meet up yet. So it's gonna to be tough for Jerry and his background team to get to know the girls properly and there's a lot of new young girls coming in. Um, which is which is great to see, but uh, I'd say it'll take maybe a year or two. But I, I do hope I think they have the structure in place, and and they've got a great backroom team. Michael Lee and, and Martin McCarran is the strength and conditioning coach, and I really have to put my hat off to them. I, t- I got a bad injury last year, and only for them getting me back, like I'm back running and twisting and turning, no problem at all. And they've really um, helped girls. I think over the last two two three years that they've been involved. Yeah, and um, looking forward now, I presume you're going to keep playing with your club, but um, well, I presume I'm right in saying that. But uh, oh god, I wouldn't get out of it that easy. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that, uh, but will you miss it now? Actually, after so many years, like it's, I suppose it's it's a big change, like in in your in your life to, to have all this free time for a start and then not have meeting up with this bunch of friends a couple of times a week. Yeah, I like that's I suppose I was in such a routine for since I was 15 years of age, 14, 15 years of age, that sometimes you're like, God, what do I do outside? What do I do outside of this? Or who am I outside of actually doing the footballer, you know? And 
I, you know, I think COVID was good in a way that it, it, you know, the break and I was able to step back and kind of assess and go, you know what, I'm kind of ready. And it probably made the decision a little bit easier that, you know, all the girls I grew up with have, are gone and probably gone a few years now. And, you know, I kind of was happy with where I was at and I had achieved a lot with Cavan and I felt, you know what, the girls, there's young girls that are coming through. There's younger girls than me that are well able to lead them and, and bring them bring them on and instill what, you know, Cavan Ladies Football is about and, and trying to bring that ethos into it. So I, I was I was actually quite an easy decision in the end. I thought it would be tight and I left it for a while in case I changed my mind, but I was, I was very content in the end, I have to say. And what, um, how does it work when you go to leave a county team now? Like, do you just have to put a message up on the WhatsApp, or how, how do you actually? What's the leaving process? Well, it was gas because this was Jer- Jerry Kaminis, a new manager, and he obviously, you know, sent a message out to all the girls, and he was inviting new people into the panel and all that. And uh, he just wants to know people's attention, so I couldn't really leave it any longer. So I, I tried giving him a call, and then I text him and say, "Listen, Jerry, I've." after consideration and, and in fairness he was very good and he was like look I know you wouldn't have made this decision likely and you know he was even asking me would I stay involved even in the background team and I was like no it's a, it's a bit early for that yet <laughs> and um, then I just said uh, I was going to I rang some of the older girls that I would have been playing for a long time and said just to send it to them I'm not one for public announcements so because I actually um, retired before Christmas so I thought I got away quietly enough, but I'm such shy. Um, but I, I was going to, I hate putting messages into groups, you know, and then leaving or whatever. So I rang some of the older girls and then he kind of got me off the hook because he, Jerry did a Zoom call with the panel and just threw it out there. And a lot of the girls, I think, were in shock, didn't know what was going on. But some of the younger ones who hadn't heard. And I was like, oh God, I was like, all right, he did a favour for me, so it's fine. I can leave now. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that that's part of the of the whole uh, upheaval of it is is getting out of WhatsApps and and Zoom calls and everything else. But look, actually, I don't want to hold you up any longer. I know you love doing interviews and you'd love to talk for another hour, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we won't hold you up much longer. Thanks very much for for coming on to talk to us and the very best of luck and congratulations again on a great career. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Liam. Paul, I, a really good interview. And you know what? For somebody who doesn't, you know, definitely doesn't search out the limelight or doesn't, um, isn't that comfortable, she says in interviews, she's brilliant. She's very articulate. And I thought she, she got through points. Like, I can only imagine how difficult it is for somebody doing one of those interviews in retirement, trying to think about the people that she wants to thank. And she went through so many of her coaches and the influences she she I'd say she barely left out anybody. Yeah, I, I thought she spoke really well. Yeah, but she, obviously she's she is very articulate and very very intelligent person. She you know by seeing her on the football field that she's a, a player that a person that thinks about football because she plays a thinking player's game on the field. She's all about skill and vision, picking out passes and dummy solo slotting over scores. Like she's a real she's a real creative player on the field. So I'm, I'm sure that is reflected in how she thinks about the game. And isn't she, she? You can see the modesty there that she touched on, Damien. Like she, she really do, isn't one for interviews. Not that she's she's very uh, good with her time and all that. If you ever would call her, but she wasn't a big one for interviews or seeking out the limelight. But when you're as good as her, you're going to be trust into the limelight. Yeah, I, going back to you know the, the the her ability to think on the field. And I suppose a big part of that, I loved it when she said there, you know, I'm not the fastest or the strongest. So I had to find other ways. And I related that immediately to when she talks about Father Tom McCarran and asking questions. You know, why did you go there? Why did you do this? And I just, I thought, you know, the relationship between that, well, why did I go there made me think about why I shouldn't go there the next time. And therefore, that's how she became so intelligent at reading the game, at knowing where to be at the right time. Um, you know, I just I, I thought it very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed that bit as well, where she talked about Father Tom and his method of coaching. Like it was probably probably coming from an old school uh, method of coaching, but I suppose if you looked up any any coaching manual, you'd probably find that sort of thing that he's talking about, maybe with a more uh, fancy sounding name to it but really what he's doing is asking the player to reflect and kind of come up with their own decisions and, and imagine that that's probably a key component of modern day coaching so really good really good grounded coaching there but he had a good subject in Ashley and like and 
as you heard, I put it to her about the point you made about natural talent. And, you know, again, she didn't want to sound big-headed, but you could tell that she never had a football out of her hands growing up and she was having matches with her, with her dad and her brothers and so on. And uh, just perfected the art because, like, yeah. I haven't watched as much ladies' football as you have, but uh, I have seen some great players. Like, Amy Mackin was one player I saw actually in Templeport for Armagh and absolutely blew me away. She was incredible. But I have never seen anyone better than Ashley uh, for, for pure skill and for for just the bag of tricks that she that she had with the football. I I thought I think she's extraordinarily has been extraordinarily good for for such a long time. Yeah, eighteen years. Like uh, that type of longevity, I don't think we'll we'll get to see again because I don't think we'll ever see fourteen year olds playing county senior football and. I, I think it'll be very, very rare for, like, in reality, it's probably 18, 19, 20-year-old girls who, who break through to county senior. Are they going to be playing when they're 36? I, I don't see it. I don't see it too often anyway. So that's something it'll be interesting to see. Will there ever be a player to play as many years as, as Ashing did? Going back to the skill and the honing in on the skill, I, I was laughing at, at a cup at, at a point where she kind of nearly diverted fairly quick away from it, but she did throw in that one line where she said there was plenty of broken windows and slates around our house. Uh, firstly, I thought any house that has a skillful player probably has a few broken windows, but in Ashley's um, in Ashley's case, I'd imagine the windows are broken because she was aiming for the windows because I didn't see her miss too many down through the years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's probably right. In fairness, um, as I was saying the, on the podcast last day, like I saw her playing uh, when she was about twelve uh, against Red Hills and on the fourteenth against the lads, and like you, you know, if she if she was a, a fella, you'd have been picking her out as as Jesus, there's a county player in the making because she was brilliant. Um, so that must have been against Corda actually because she mentioned that she played on the edge with Corda at that stage with the boys so what, what I thought was also very interesting Damien was this this notion that which I hadn't thought of that she she was part of sort of this first generation who were breaking new ground for ladies football and I know ladies football has roots going back to the 70s but really in the last 20 years it's when it's exploded so it was this group that came along and were playing their finals in, in Crow Park who um, who whose big games were televised? Who were starting to get the media recognition that they deserved, and um, they were sort of trailblazers and uh, ambassadors. And I think if ladies' football keeps going the way it's going, in in decades to come, they're going to look back at that generation of players and the great Cork team and and like and players like that, teams like that, and players like Ashley Doonan who didn't win an All Ireland senior medal, but definitely played a part in that. And and like how many young players has she inspired in, in Cavan and knows herself and she'd probably be mortified to, to think of that but she certainly has um, mm. you know because she didn't really have those idols herself looking up looking up as she says when she started off because it just wasn't at that level at the time and and, and what I what I what I took from it, she was talking. You asked her about you know what what the level of commitment was, and she was saying how I was training three times a week, and and you know all all that goes with that, and up and down to Dublin, and maybe not getting into bed until twelve o'clock, and up for for work the next day, and we 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 talk about all that with the county senior men, and we say how difficult it is, and fair play to them for their effort. They get the expenses though. They were given food. They were given every possible comfort to try to make it easier the ladies weren't when Ashleen Doon and Maguire was doing that there was there was no expenses this all like I'd say if you put a cost on the mileage and the food expense for Ashleen over those 18 years you, you could hit a hundred thousand and and maybe maybe even not stop at it because she's put in that amount of time and effort into being the footballer becoming the footballer that she became which is more to credit the whore I don't don't get me wrong. All all the players deserve the expenses and and the food. They they deserve every bit of it. But willing to do it without them, that that's a that's a huge credit. Yeah, that's it. That's it completely. And again, that's that's what I was trying to touch on there. Like, um, there are trailblazers that generation of ladies footballers, and um, they did it out of pure love of the game and didn't get a whole lot in return. Um, probably until recent years. Obviously, you've got the the. The women's version of the GPA on, on the go now, and now they're they're rolling together with the men on that. So uh, things definitely have improved, and she said that herself. Um, and look, I'd be guilty yeah. of it as well myself, like of not always um, covering covering the ladies' games as much as 
it should be covered. Um, and thanks really to Aideen Coyle for her brilliant work and um, helping out with all media outlets in Cavan. Like she, she has done Trojan work. You do need to have that passion for it, which Aideen has. But uh, like the likes of Ashley doing when you when you go to see her play, and it would always make you think, Jesus, I I need to start covering more ladies matches in person because yeah. you know I'd I I kind of be doing what we call in the, in the industry the markings for the weekend. So a marking in in the newspaper is. Um, basically in a, something that has to be covered in events be that a council meeting or a court or a football match or a, whatever it is and when you're doing the markings on the sport end you'd be looking at it and I'd be like oh I'll go to the I'll go to Cavan Gales and, and we'll horn this again and I'll try and get someone else to go to the ladies and then sometimes I would go to the ladies game and you'd see Ashley doing pinging over sideline balls and you'd see the skill level like of Ashley and Sheridan and Brona Sheridan and, and players like that Roshan O'Keefe especially in the forwards and you think Jesus the this is really, this is a really high standard. I should be going to this more often. Thank God you don't. It gives me the chance to go to two good <laughs> few of them. I'm the lucky one that benefits from that. But I, I thought a couple of things before we finish up. Um, one point that stood out to me was our comment about Aidan McCabe and how when he came in and he was pushing her to work on the right foot. And I, I just thought to myself at that moment, so Aidan McKay was probably Cavan manager in, you know, maybe, was it 2016, 2017, something in around that era. She had played 14 or 15 years of county senior. And here was somebody coming in and telling her that, look, at, you're not going to get away with just being left-footed. You've got to work on your right foot. It wasn't her throwing the t- toys out of the pram and going, hold on a second, I'm 14 years playing county football. Don't tell me that I should work on something else. She embraced it. She she continued to learn. She was willing to to listen to a new coach who had a different point of view and, and try and go and work on it. And she went and improved that right foot over the next two, three years. Like I think that that's the making of Ashley Maguire, um, Ashley Downing, that she she never, ever got too big for her boots. She was always coachable. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, that, I kind of missed that one. as right. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation, obviously, that Aidan McCabe would have had with her. And as you say, coachable is the key word. And look, that's the thing. The thing in all sports, I, I find, um, is that the people that who have sort of developed the mastery of the sport or who, who are operating at a very high level, they're always grounded and and uh, not carried away at all and, and always have a serious modesty about them. And it's the same with that Dublin team. Uh, I know from talking to to fellas who cover that team closely and know some of the players, like they're they're genuinely a certain bunch uh, of fellas, and you would have seen that as well with Kilkenny under Cody as well. He would have kept them with their the freedom of ground, and that's even in even in uh, individual sports. Like I, you know, in handball, generally it's the same thing. It's the people who are below that level that tend to be carried away and think that there's something that they're not, and they're the they're the ones that that aren't going to go on and achieve. Maybe the people who have un- unfulfilled potential as well because they think they're something they're not. But when you get to the, the level of mastery of, of your of your chosen discipline that Ashley Doonan had and has, uh, I don't think you can do it without being grounded and, and being coachable, as you say. So she she had all that. Like She's an ideal player to have on any team and she's going to go on and play play away with Temple Port now. And you, you know what? The ladies' championship is so wide open because you've seen the likes of Krushalaw uh, coming through there and then got beaten in the final by Lacken, who were who were seen as a team past their best days, and they came back and won the championship and have some good young players as well. And you have Kiligary there, as a, a really good up and coming team, and Lorgan haven't really gone away. Um, they were dominant for a few years, and Tampaport are probably nipping at their heels as well. Uh, so with Ashley doing a free to focus completely on the on the club, you wouldn't know what impact that would have there as well. So it's going to be in, shake up the ladies' club championship as well. So um, I look, it's. I suppose for her, it's it's nearly a change in lifestyle more than anything as well because she was in this habit of meeting up with these this group who were all her close friends I'd imagine over the years and uh, you know you get you grow accustomed to to that sort of pattern of okay I I train X number of times a week and I go here this is what I do for football and that that's me and she said herself you know that she started to think who am I outside of football. Which was a which was an interesting way of looking at it, but uh, she will, of course, she's going to adapt to it. But uh, yeah, she deserves a, a well earned rest now. Mm. I I I can only imagine after that conversation, um, that that definitely coaching is something in her future, and and you know she she was as you said a trailblazer in terms of football, what she's done in Cavan. She's the type of person that I wouldn't be surprised you could actually see being the first 
to be involved with a men's team as a, a a female coach of a men's team or something like that because she's she's very very um she's got a vast amount of experience more than anybody in this county when it comes to playing intercounty senior football and she she reached a skill level that had never been achieved by anybody in this county before um in terms of ladies football and 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 questionably even men's football maybe so it's a uh, I, I i can imagine I'd say we, we'll see more from, from Ashley in the future. I think we'll finish with, with probably my favourite quote um, in the um, in the interview was where she said, um, I'm fortunate that they give me the ball and I'm the last person to put the ball over the bar. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, just, it's just that easy. Well, you know, I just happen to be the person that they give the ball to. I think, Paul, the reason they give the ball to Ashley and make sure that she's the last person is because 90% of the time it went over the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's that was was actually a, a terrific quote as well. Yeah, that, and I don't think there was any false modesty in that. She genuinely believes no. that, um, that she's she's just the one that happens to get on the end of the moves. But I would I would suggest that the moves end with her for a reason, as you say, that they're they're obviously trying to get the ball to to Ashley. And in fairness, uh, maybe for a few years she was kind of a a one woman show up front, but uh, there's other players there supporting her as well. So I think she's leaving the county team in in, in a very good place and a better place than she found it. So um, again, congratulations to her. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, I want to echo that. And and, and I suppose echo my my gratitude for having the privilege of going to see her and and all the entertainment she's given us down through the years because um been an absolute joy covering games when when Ashlyn was playing and watching her watching the skill level and watching the journey of of Cav and ladies while Ashlyn was was involved was was just an absolute pleasure so look I wish her the best in in retirement and and look at you never know she could get into the media game in the end we we might get her on we are Cavan more often than now that she's uh, now that she's not playing so Paul thanks a million for joining us uh, or joining me on the podcast so folks if you enjoyed that podcast on um, Ashlyn Doonan's retirement Head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan if you'd like to sign up for the minute fee of $5 a month. Great value, sure. You couldn't bid it with a stick. That's all we have time for on the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast for this week. Hope you have a good week.